There we go. <clears throat> so the purpose for 2 Corinthians would be this. And I found it uh, multiple places. I, 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 I combined it. Uh, many people said one would be a defense for that of his apostleship. Uh, one, one would be to bring encouragement uh, to that of the people because of their listening to his first letter. Um, this one person put it this way. You ready? Uh, he did it as the church still had issues with, they still had issues with sexual immorality. If you remember about the first Corinthians chapter six, chapter seven, uh, man, he really pounded that. Even chapter five, where he went in and said, hey, look, one of you are living, one of you are living in sin, and this is what you're doing, and this is how you're doing it. And so in that moment, Paul then comes back in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 21, and he's addressing this sexual immorality still, because we know what was going on in, in Corinth, all right? It was a very uh, sexually inundated uh, community because of the idol worship, because of the history that was found there in Corinth. But Paul also was worried about the false teachers. There was false teachers that was infiltrating the church. And guys, listen to me. He gets over into 2 Corinthians, and this is, this is part of what he writes. He says, I am writing because I am afraid, just as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and a pure devotion to Christ. I'm worried about that. Can I tell you as a pastor, as a youth pastor, as you leave from our student ministry, I too grow concerned about that as well. Because I know how, hey, you ready? I know how deceptive, I know how the false teachers are. They are, hey, you ready? They are wolves and they're ravening wolves. And they're dressed in sheep clothing. They eat with you. They talk like you. Hey, you ready? But when it comes right down to it, they're teaching false teachings. And what happens is, is if you don't have, if you don't have that, that, that gift of discernment, if you don't have that ability of discerning and going, wait a minute, I don't care how many degrees you have on the wall. I don't care how many people you have in your audience. I don't care how many followers you have on social media. I don't give a flip because what you just said is wrong. But you see, you've got to know, you have to know what he's saying. You have to know that it's wrong. And the only way that you can know that is to be in the Word of God. That's the only way you can know. That's the only way that you can tell a, a fake is if you know the truth. And, and, and the fear of it is, is for most of you, and I'm sure because I was the same way, you've not picked up your Bible since Sunday, and now you may have brought it on a Wednesday night, and you know what? Maybe you didn't bring on a Wednesday night and you might pick it up once a week and you wonder why, you wonder why your life is such a struggle. I would tell you to start with reading the, maybe reading the Bible once a day and, and gaining in your knowledge, as much as I joke about it, gaining in your knowledge and your understanding so that you can grow in wisdom so that you can know how to navigate this world. That's what Paul was afraid of. He says this, he says, For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one, he, the, than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. It may be that Paul depends, listen, 
that he's also defending his apostolic authority because his apostolic authority, y'all, he was, hey, he was chosen by God to be in this position. Now listen, there is no apostles today. I don't, it does not matter. Y'all, you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. You and I know there, there's, there's a list of things that must take place in order for you to be able to call yourself an apostle. There is none today. So when you see someone add that to the beginning of their name, that would be discernment. And you would go, ding, 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 Johnny. That man or that woman, she is false. And then, you ready? And then it says that, that in 2 Corinthians 6, 7, and 10, because of his, of his defense, you ready? Of this different gospel by these cunning teachers who are always attacking Paul's reputation. We're going to see it all through 2 Corinthians. They're, they're, they're constantly attacking. They're, they're constantly coming against them. Listen to me. Hey, and can I tell you something? That is true even today in our churches today. I, listen, I don't care how good you're... It doesn't matter... How well your pastor's serving, it doesn't matter how well things are going. It doesn't matter if the church is growing or if the church is not. I promise you there's always the naysayers and there's always the ones that are trying to infiltrate the church. There's always the ones that are trying to tear the church down. There's always the ones sowing the bad seed. And what happens is, is as a shepherd, it's our job to do what? To call it out, to root it out, and to make sure it's not happening, even if the people don't like us for it. That's what Paul, Paul is on the defense. Because really what happens is, is as Titus comes into town and Titus is the one that is sharing the news about what's going on in, in Corinth. I read one commentary where it said that Titus begins to tell Paul the good news and Paul's like, yeah, this is awesome. And then it was almost like Titus took a turn and Titus goes, but there's some other things going on. And then that's when Paul began on the defense. That's where Paul was like, well, and guys, listen, I think there is a time as a believer in Jesus Christ that we ought to be on the defense. We know, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, the, read this. He says this. I'll read verse 1 and verse 2. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So listen, you ready? From Paul, this letter is from Paul, all right? That is, that is the Paul that was saved on the road to Damascus. He is an apostle, and he's an apostle because of what Christ Jesus has done. Uh, And it was by the will of God. Hey, you ready? And it was by the will of God. It was by God's will. And hold on a second. And if you go over to the book of Galatians, you'll find it. It is there where Paul would have spent time with Jesus, 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 Jesus in the wilderness. And that would have been the time that he would have spent those three years being who? Being trained, being taught by who? Well, that being Christ. Go look. You can find that yourself in in, in the book of Galatians. And what he says here, he says, In Timothy, our brother, that would be the Timothy that would be the pastor there in Ephesus, to the church of God that is in Corinth with all the saints who are all in Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know then the author is who? The author is Paul. And possibly alongside of him as he's writing whatever he's writing, there's possibly Timothy sitting there right beside him as well. The date of the writing that we're going to be reading would be around somewhere around uh, A.D. 56 to A.D. 57. Not A.D. like A.D. like like author Daniel. A.D. 56 or A.D. 57. The book of 1 Corinthians would have been written around A.D. 55. 
You say, what's the big deal about that? Well, it does matter because I'm going to show you something here in a minute. But the place in which he was writing this book would have been up in Macedonia. All right. He would have been up in Macedonia during the time of this writing. And as he was in Macedonia, he would have been hearing about what was taking place in Corinth. So, so, so remember, it was his missionary journeys that brought him all around this area. And I'm not going to talk much about the, about Corinth and that of the, of the, of the strait there and all the, the sea work. No, I'm not going to, but I am going to tell you that was a hot city. That was a hot pocket because of, of the thoroughfare that was taking place. So it was a epicenter, if you want to call it that. And so Paul's up here. Ooh, that's cool. Uh, Paul's up here and he's writing to the church of Corinth down there. I never touched that before. That's interesting. The church of Corinth would have started around AD 52. If you're writing that in your Bible, you can go over. Let's flip over to Acts chapter 18. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 18. This would have been the beginnings, the birth, the birth of the church of Corinth. All right. And, and so, and so as you go over there, I want to read real quick. All right. I won't stop talking. I just want you to hear again what took place uh, during this time while he was there in, in Corinth. All right. So here we go. Good to have you, big guy. Looking sharp. No problem. Always here to encourage. After this, Paul departed from uh, Athens and went to Corinth. Okay, so remember, the church of Corinth would have been started around AD, AD 52, if you want to write that there. There he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had, had, or, um, had ordered all the Jews to depart from Rome and Paul approached them. And because he worked at the same trade, he stayed with them and worked with them for they were tent makers by trade. He addressed both Jews and Greeks in the synagogue every Sabbath, attempted to persuade them. Now when Silas and Timothy, ooh, that's cool, there they are, arrived from Macedonia, showed you where it was at, Paul became wholly absorbed with proclaiming the word, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Verse 6, And when they opposed him and reviled him, he protested by shaking out his clothes and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am guiltless. For now... From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue. He went down to the house of a person named Titus, Justice, and a Gentile who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. How convenient, Lord. Crispus, the president of the synagogue, believed that the Lord uh, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians who had heard about it believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul by a vision in the night, Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not be silent, because I am with you, and no one will assault you, you to no one will assault you to harm you, because I have many people in this city. So he stayed there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So you'll find there, all the way to verse eighteen, that he would have had church planted the church there in Corinth again. But what happens is, is as you're studying through these letters. What I have found is I found many commentaries talk about how this wasn't the only two letters possibly that was written to the church of Corinth. There's a lot of commentaries that would say that there was actually four letters that was written to Corinth. You and I, we have first and second Corinthians and all my life I've been told there's two letters written to the church of Corinth. 
But the problem is, is there's some verses that are found in 1 Corinthians 1 and verses found in 2 Corinthians that would infer that there was possibly other letters written, but we don't have them. Now, hold on a second. You're like, mm? see there, I told you we don't have a complete Bible. That thing is Oh, I'll tell you, no, that's not. That's not true. Uh, what I'll tell you is that my God is, is way bigger than that, way powerful than that. And what we have in front of us is exactly what my God would want us to have. Okay. Now, one day, maybe they'll find that third letter or that first letter. I don't know. But I will tell you this. The two we have is enough to let us know how we should and shouldn't live. And if we would live the way we should live, as we learned this morning in biblical economics, that we would find that we'd be living in a whole lot better society if we would begin to live that way. And so what happens is, is the letter one, which would have been the previous letter before that of what? Before 1 Corinthians is really mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So let's turn there real quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Letter worm, letter worm, letter one would be inferred, all right, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 9. Watch what he says here. Again, this is just a little nugget to go chew on all right first corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9 watch what he says he says i wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people wait a minute which letter this is the letter okay and so he's inferring there that actually there was another letter before this letter and so he's written multiple letters to that of the church of corinth but even in that letter he would have said look don't be sexually immoral don't, don't go the way of the world. Don't go the way of the culture that is around you. Listen to me, young people. Don't go the way of the culture. Culture. Cult, whatever. That's a hard one, too. My R's. Like world is very difficult. And Roy. That's what will be done. All right. And so what happens is, is, is we don't need to go that way. And so here he's mentioned in that letter, but then we see, then we have 1 Corinthians, that would be letter number two. Letter number three, you ready guys? Would have been this letter that was talked about, it was a severe letter. It was something that was like, boom, y'all. I don't know if y'all have ever got a letter like that, but see, y'all don't do much of that. Now it's text, all right? And it's like, uh, it's like, it's like, a, le- it's like a text when you read it. I don't know, y'all, I don't know how y'all read text, but like when I read a text from my mama, I can still read my mama in it. You know, my mama, I can tell if it's sweet or not. Good morning, little buddy. I love you. And I'm like, that's so great. But then, but then it's like there's some text I get and I can see her red hair. She's going to listen to this one day. And, and, and I, I can imagine her saying it. Why haven't you called me yet? You know, I, I can read that in it. Or uh, have I not going to get my one call a week? You know, and so, and I, and, and I put my mama's voice in that. And so imagine yourself, if you will, this, this letter that he would have written, a, a very severe letter. And you say, well, where does it talk about it, Pastor Scott? Well, it's also a, also a painful letter as well. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'll show you where it's talking about. And you'll see it there in verses 3 and verse 4. All right, here we go. Here we go. And I wrote this very thing to you so that when I came... I would not have sadness from those who ought to be make uh, to make me rejoice since I am confident in you all that my joy would be yours. 
For out of great distress and anguish, here I wrote to you with many tears, not to make you sad, but to let you know that the love that I have especially for you. And so there is one instance, and then another would be found in chapter 7, where he infers again about this letter in verse 8. But God, who encourages the downhearted, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus, we were encouraged not only by his arrival, but also by the encouragement you gave him as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your deep concern for me, so that I rejoiced more than ever. For even if I made you sad by my letter, there it is, I do not regret having written it, even though I did regret it, for I see that my letter made you sad, though only for a short time. Now I rejoice, not because you were made mad, made sad but because you were made sad to the point of repentance for you were made sad as God intended so that you were not harmed in any way by us for sadness as intended by God produces a repentance that leads to salvation leaving no regret but worldly sadness brings about death I love that verse that's amazing verse if you're marking in your Bibles that, that that's the gospel but that's how a lot of people today accept salvation a lot of people, they have said, they've raised their hand, they repeated a prayer after that of the pastor, they went and been baptized, but all they were is that they were sorry and that was it. There was no repentance. There was no turning away from that of the sin in which they were living in. All they done is went and got wet. Man, they took a swim. That's like when people come to me, they're like, Pastor Scott, I think I need to be baptized again. I'm like, look, there is no baptized again. There's only one baptism. The other time you went for a swim in a cool baptist in a good in a cool baptistry and it was fun and maybe the water was warm for you that time. And so what we see here is we see then there's this other letter and that would be letter number three, but then letter number four would be Second Corinthians. And so here in Second Corinthians, what we do is we find that he's very thankful that that severe letter was received well and it had some impact within their hearts and within their lives. But then what we do is then we start looking and there's several key verses, verses that you and I are very familiar with, or maybe we're not, but it's verses that would be ranked like this is the number one verse that's found out of 2 Corinthians. And so what I want to do is I, want, I just want to walk through the five verses that, that are used or, or, that are, or, or that are key verses out of the book of 2 Corinthians. The first one would be this. It would be that of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Listen to this verse. You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Oh, shut your mouth, Pastor Scott. What have you? Oh, I'm in 1 Corinthians. Whew, man. I'm like, Lord, I, I just can't go hunting for a verse right now. I would really not be well, Lord, but okay. Here we go. Verse 17. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature. What is old has passed away. And look, what is new what new has come. And so what we do is, is we've heard that verse. There's another one, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. Look down there. He made him to know, listen, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that's verse 21. Another very familiar verse would be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear that often in the letters that Paul has written. They're like Galatians and Ephesians, all the different letters. Another verse 
That of number four would be 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Watch this. In verse 14, and it says this, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have, listen, have righteousness and lawliness, and what fellowship has light with darkness? That's a big verse. Because, Because, just let me ask you something, okay? As a believer in Jesus Christ, we have been called, though, to do what? To go to the lost. We have been called to share the gospel. But that verse would tell me, hey, listen, you've got to be very careful how you tie yourself together with that of lost people. My, my grandma says you lay with dogs, you're going to get fleas. All right, it's kind of like that. The, 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 the Psalm 1, Psalm 1, verse 1, verse 2 says, listen, that if you, you begin to walk with the ungodly before too long, you'll be standing with them. And then before too long, you're just sitting with them. And then when you're sitting with them, guess what? Now you're just engrossed with it. And that's the impact that the, hey, listen, that's the impact that the lost, that the lost world can have on your testimony, have on your walk. You say, no, it ain't Pastor Scott. I'm bigger than that. I'm bolder than that. And I'm like, you keep going, Joe. <laughs> Come back and let me know how it goes. Because more times than not, they'll have a greater influence in your life than you'll have in their life. More times than not. Listen to me, ladies. Listen to me, gentlemen. That would also be where you'd be very wise when you're looking for that, for that other. They're so lovely and handsome. He's beautiful, but he's lost, Pastor Scott, and I'm going to save him. We're going to do it, Pastor Scott. <laughs> You're an idiot. Don't do that. Gentlemen, are you all the same way? She's a hottie. She's beautiful. Oh, Pastor Scott, listen, I'm going to be okay. I got it. I had one kid tell me one time, I got this. <laughs> Didn't he, Shane? I got this. Don't you worry. Within about three days, <laughs> he didn't have it. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Anyhow, so, hey, be careful how you associate. I'm, we'll get there, okay? Here we go. The fifth one would be 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. If you'll just let me read. All right, here we go. He says this, and he said, and as he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. I love that. When I am weak, he is strong. Hey, when I am weak, He is strong. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And so there's just five verses, key verses that you'll find many people use. But what I want to do right now in my last few minutes is I want to just break down the whole, the whole book. All right. So if you're ready to walk with me, we'll walk quick. Okay. What you'll find is, is that, that, in, that in chapters 1 and chapter 2, you'll find that this, ready? You'll find Paul explaining, and he'll, he'll be given a greeting to the believers, but he'll be explaining why he has not visited yet. Because what happens is, if you look over in 2 Corinthians chapter, who see my eyeballs are straightened up, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and you'll find, uh, like starting right over there in verse 12, all the way to verse 22, he's telling them why he ain't come yet. But the problem is, is chapter 1 and chapter 2, the false prophets, the ones that are there, they're telling them, look, Paul, Paul's a liar. Paul's no good. 
Paul's a false teacher. Paul said he was coming. He didn't come. See, that, that, that makes him bad. That makes him a poor leader. That he, there's no way he's an apostle. And so what he does is Paul begins in 2 Corinthians 1 and 2, and, and, and he begins to build that defense. He begins to show them, listen, this is why I am not there. This is why I am not there with you yet. He gets over, and then what happens is, is in chapters 2, verses 14 through 17, what he does there is he does what? He hallmarks his ministry to the churches. So watch what happens here. You ready? Chapter uh, 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of Him in every place. Who's the one that's going before Paul? Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says that everybody in this room that's claiming to be believers, you ought to be a sweet smelling savor to the Lord. And the problem is, is that most of the time, the only time you're sweet and smelling would be Sunday morning when you've got yourself back right-minded. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, y'all smell like the world. You talk like the world. You act like the world. And you're ready. And there's nothing that's sweet smelling about you. And what he's saying here, he's saying, listen, when I'm going... He, God is the one that's going before us. For we are a sweet aroma of Christ to God amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing to the latter, an odor from death to death, but to the former, a fragrance from life to life. And who is inadequate for these things? For we are not like so many others, hucksters, I love that in this version, hucksters who peddle the word of God for profit. There's people today that's doing that, y'all. Hey, there's people doing that today, and they draw in large crowds. They hucksters. I don't know if you know what a huckster is. I don't. Know, I told the boys the other day, y'all. I've learned a new word. I didn't even know this. I didn't know the word cap means line. Did you know that, Joshua? How did you know that? I feel so out on an island now. I didn't know that 48 would get me that far out of it. I'm feeding a, ba a basketball team. The guys and girls are at West, and one of them says, ah, you're capping us. And I'm like, no, I, I checked to make, I didn't have my gun on me. So I know I wasn't capping nobody, Ashley. That's what I was known to capping, you know, you cap somebody. So I checked, I didn't have my gun on me. I knew I was good. And the kid starts laughing. And he goes, no, Pastor Scott, that means they're lying to you. And I'm like, I am not lying to you, you knuckleheads. And so anyhow, what he's saying is he's saying, listen, they're hucksters, they're peddling the word of God. But he says, but we are speaking in Christ before God as persons of sincerity, as persons that are sent from God. He's standing before a, a, an audience of one. It's like our pastor said on Sunday morning. As he's preaching on Sunday mornings, hey, you ready? He has the only answer to one, and that is God. And what Paul is saying is, Paul is saying, listen, as we come to you, <laughs> well, we, we, we come for one reason. And that is to be an aroma, a sweet aroma. Remember, hey, remember in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, he says these words, hey, do not be ignorant, my brethren. When someone dies, hey, it's okay. Don't weep as someone, hey, don't weep as someone that has no hope. Weep as someone that has hope, especially if that one's a believer. That's, hey, that's a sweet aroma. That's an aroma you want around the, around the cemetery. 
Not the one like I've seen where people have died and they have no hope and they sit out there by that grave 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 because that's the only hope they have and they'll never see that individual again. Because why? That person was lost. There's that sweet smell. So we see that in chapter 3. In, cha- in chapter 3, verse 9, what he does is he's talking about uh, the ministry of, his, of, of condemnation. All right? and, and, and he's comparing, in li- like verse 9, go, go, go to verse 9. For if, we, for if there was glory in the ministry that produced condemnation, how much more does the ministry that produces righteousness excel in glory? So what he's doing is he's comparing between that of the ministry of the righteousness of Christ and the ministry of the what? Of the law or that of the condemnation of the law. That's found in chapter 3. Chapter 4 in verses 8 through 18, what he does, you ready guys? He gives validity of his ministry in spite of the persecution. You say, what kind of persecution are we talking about, Pastor Scott? Well, if you'll go to verse 8, I'm glad you asked. Watch what happens here. You ready? This is the persecution this man is facing. Y'all think because somebody laughs at you, like, like your world has ended. You know what? You should be wishing that people laugh at you for sharing the gospel. You're, you're afraid of, listen guys, the worst thing that can happen to you, right now the worst thing possibly that can happen to you, possibly, if you would just share your faith, would be that maybe you're not in part of that friend group no more. Maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe, maybe someone does mock you. Maybe someone does laugh at you. Maybe you do get labeled a Christian, finally. Because you've been claiming one anyway. Maybe that's what happens. What Paul says is, Paul says, wait a minute. Um, can I just remind you of the persecution that I am facing for this thing? That Hey, you ready? That I am trying to present in the most holiest of fashions. Watch what he says here. You ready? Verse 8. He says, we are ex- experiencing trouble on every side. That's both, both sides, religious and, and, and lost. They're both lost. But are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. Is it made visible in your body? I mean, think about what he's saying here. This man is a, this is a follower of God. The same thing that you say that you're doing. He says this. He says, for we who are alive are constantly being handed over to the death of Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our, in our mortal body. Whether I live or whether I die, to God be the glory. Do you live that way? You know, Pastor Scott, I'm too young for that. And I'm like, you know what? I understand that part. But can I ask you a question? Whether you live or whether you die, is that how you go about sharing your faith? Whether I get laughed at or whether I don't. What, what's what he does here? He says this. For since we have, verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith as that shown in that of what has been written. I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. We do so because we know that the one who raised up Jesus will also raise up, raise us up with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. For all these things are for your sake. So that the grace that is included more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. I mean, it's almost like one of those, and he says, therefore, we do not despair, but even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. 
I know that feeling. <laughs> Today, I jumped out. Of, I didn't jump out. I very slowly come out of that 52-foot trailer. And when I come out of that trailer, y'all, I, I got I to hitch in my knee, man. I'm like, what, what in the world? And then I have to start flexing it out. And then I'm like... And this is, and then the Lord's like, I think I'll jump out. I said, Lord, don't you dare jump out. Dude, you'll just, you'll just crumble. Don't do that. We got to take care of ourselves. But listen, you ready? Wh whether I live, whether I die, as my body is fading away, listen, there's, there's hope here. The hope is, is that there's a, there's a spirit that's inside you that is renewing every day. There, there's exciting, there's excitement about that. Y'all, I can't. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Yeah. We get in the Word, man. And watch this. Ready? He says this. i got to put him back on because I can't see it. It's getting bad. He says this. For our momentary light suffering is produced, listen to this, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. For we are not looking at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Amazing. Chapter 5, what he does is he outlines the basis of the Christian faith. So chapter 5, he outlines the basis of the Christian faith. Chapter 6 and chapter 7, because of time, chapter 6 and chapter 7, what he does is he finds himself and his ministry. What he does is he begins to defend it. Chapter 6, chapter 7, he's defending himself. Why? Because the people that are in that city, they are tearing him down. They are destroying him. And it's all based off lies. And then what he does is he begins to assure the Corinthians yet again of his sincere love for them and exhorting them to repentance and a holy living. Chapter 8, what he does here in 8 and 9 is he, he, he encourages the believers. He encourages the believers at Corinth to follow the examples of the brothers up in Macedonia. In what way though? You ready? In giving. What you do is you find in chapter 8 and chapter 9, he lays out something that really many in our churches today don't want to hear. And that is that there is a place in that of the Christian faith that is called given. All right? We did a message at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and it says, Don't be a church moocher. And what I'm telling you, young people, listen to me. The quicker you can learn this, the better you will be. I promise you. And I'm not giving you some false hope. What I'm telling you is that there is a place that, that, that God's word would call us. To be a giver. My God is a giver, a great giver. He gives more than you and I could ever give back. You say, but yeah, Pastor Scott, wait a minute, I ain't got a job. Well, give of your time and your talent. Listen, there's some people I'm sure that cannot give, and I, I understand that. But doggone it, you could give some of your time and you could give some of your talents because as a believer in Jesus Christ, we all have one. We have gifts. We have the ability. Use it. And I'll say it again like I said it on that of the 1 Corinthians 16 message. It's strange how so many people in our churches just think that the lights come on magically and everything gets done at just some kind of um, Holy Spirit way. No, y'all. It takes money and it takes that of time and it takes that of talent. It don't just happen by poof. And so that's what he does. He lays that out. And we're going to look at that in chapters 8 and chapter 9. In chapter 10, what he does is he begins to, listen, reiterate his authority among them. He reminds them, hey, you ready? I am the apostle. I am the one that has the authority over you because of who? Because of what God has done in me. Chapter 11, he reluctantly begins to boast of his qualifications and that of the sufferings for Christ. Why does he do that? 
He reluctantly does it because that's what the false teachers are doing. They're boasting in that of their other ways. Look how smart I am. Look how great I am. Look how what a smooth talker I am. I could talk anyone. I don't know if y'all have ever been in a service like this, but like I've been in services before where the evangelist, he could actually talk people down to the altar. Like he's preached the whole sermon. And then what he does is he'll begin in his just as I am. And I didn't know it had 11 stanzas. <laughs> and it don't. But you would find it just as I am has 11 stanzas because he would go, hey, let's sing one more stanza. I really feel like God is leaning on someone tonight. Are, 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 are you feeling pressured tonight? Are you, do, do you feel the weight? Do you, hey, listen, won't you come forward? Why don't you come forward? And then what happens is, is Paxton, he, he's manipulated you enough to where you're doing what? Well, you must be talking to me. I got to go. And guess now who's done the moving within your life? The evangelist. And what Paul does here, Paul's doing in that of chapter 11, is he's saying, listen, it is, it, is the, it is me being qualified, not because of me, but because of Christ and of his suffering for Christ. Chapter 12, what he does here, he just talks about that doggone thorn in his flesh, which is weird to me. Uh, there's many of speculations about that, so I'm hoping Joshua gets this one. And so uh, on that Wednesday night, but what you do is you find here that it does say this in God's Word. You ready? In chapter 12, in verse 7, even because of the extraordinary character of the revelations, therefore so I would not become arrogant. So, so he doesn't become arrogant. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me, so that I would not become arrogant. Are you ready? We call those people, um, you ready? Let me make sure I say it right. The devil's advocate. All right? Play the devil's advocate. You ever heard that? So, so I was pastoring a church, and as I was pastoring that church, luckily, uh, the person that was the devil's advocate uh, was a deacon, and that person had already died, had just died when I got there. And so I was told that uh, you better be thankful that old Bubba... <laughs> His name went Bubba, but you better be thankful Bubba was dead because he was always the one that would vote no if everybody voted yes. And you would always, but you ready? That, that would be like a thorn in the side. I don't know what that, I'm just telling you, but, but that would keep you from becoming arrogant. Another thing to keep you from becoming arrogant is that one that constantly reminds you of where you mess up while you're teaching or preaching. Hey, you know what? While that is terrible, but there is a, a place in that to where uh, it, it can help remind you that you're not perfect. All right. I love preaching a sermon here at South River and then going into my pastor's office on Monday and go, so tell me, how did I do? <laughs> and it's always encouraging, I promise you. But there's always those moments I go, dog, I didn't think of that. But it keeps us humble. And then what he does in the last chapter, his last chapter there, it, it really contains more of just, uh, you know what, guys, go get them. Um, and, and the one verse that, that I, I, I marked as I was going through the whole chapter would have been that of verse 10. And he says these words, Because of this I am writing these things while absent, so that when I arrive I may not have to deal harshly with you by using my authority. See, we talked about that. There, there, is, there is an authoritative uh, role that, that Paul has taken because it's, it's given to him by that of God. These men wanted that authoritative role. It's strange how people want that role until, until um, 
until the problems begin to arise. And then it's kind of like they just disappear because they don't know how to handle the problems. And then they go where? I'll tell you how, how it normally works. Th- th- those people will pop in on the scene. Those people will want to take a, a, an authoritative role. They'll take the authoritative role. They are, not, they are not equipped for the authoritative role, probably not even called. But as what they'll do is while they're there, they'll stir it up, mess it up. They'll, they'll make the biggest mess that you could possibly imagine. And then you know what they do? They leave because someone's made them mad or, the, or they'll hop and we call that church hop. And then they'll hop to another place. And as they hop to another place, then they'll mess, 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 mess there. And then you know what to do? Then they pop and they go to another place. Never deal, never really to deal with the problem that, that is there. And what, what Paul's saying is saying, listen, it's the authority that I have. The Lord, that he gave it to me for building up and, and not for tearing down. And so that's it. That's 2 Corinthians in a nutshell. And what we need to realize is, is the best thing that we can do in the days ahead. Hey, you ready? Is open up our Bibles and let's read through this book. Hey, you ready? It would not hurt you to read through this book multiple times uh, before we get done with it. The reason why is because even though I've read through it multiple times, even today, as I'm trying to put all of my thoughts together, there's still things that I go, that's amazing there. That's awesome. So it's never that you can read it too much. But what I also find, young people, listen to me. The best encouragement that I can give to you is this, is yes, be in the Word, Yes, read the Word, but then apply the Word. Find a way to... Hey, you ready? Apply the Word that you're reading. There's no use in you reading it if you're not going to apply it. Now you're just a religious nut. And that's where the wook comes in. See, I knew I could close with that one. Here we go. Because if you grow in your knowledge... Hey, if you grow in your knowledge then therefore you gain understanding. And it's through the understanding that you grow in wisdom. And as you begin to grow in wisdom, listen to me, you ready? As you begin to grow in wisdom, you will see that you're ready. I need more. 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 Because you ready? You'll never arrive. There's never a time that you can go, I am the great Christian! No, you're not. You're supposed to be being sanctified daily. Hey, dying daily, picking up my cross, and following Him. Father, we love You. We thank You for our day. Thank You for Your Word. God, I pray, Lord. Went fast, went, went quick. Lord, I pray that we was able to gain and grasp. Lord, I hope these kids have been encouraged. Lord, I, I have loved this book of 1 Corinthians. God, I've loved reading past it to the 2 Corinthians. But then, Lord, today, just thinking about all the things that we're going to be covering, man, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm excited. God, I pray, may we be students of the Word. And Lord, we just want to thank You and praise You. And all these things we ask in Christ's name.